Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Welcome back, Dreamers and Flam family. This is Two Peas in a Pod, brought to you by General Andrews and Flippity Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8-Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. This is episode 28 of season 4. Video game controversies. Treasure quest? Hey, hey, Flippity Flam, my man! General Andrews, my dude, it feels good to be back. We're back, man. We took a little bit off there. We did. This month has been absolutely erroneously crazy, to Super say the crazy. least. Super crazy. You, you have been full of your own personal quests. Holy shit. Yeah. To put it lightly, yes. So and for those, to put it heavily. Yeah, man. For those that don't know, I, I got a job at the beginning of this month to supplement some income, but I also didn't know I got the job until like a week after I had lined up about, what was it, like a hundred other jobs on top of mm-hmm. that to where now I am finally seeing the end. I'm seeing the precipice of the hill. So you were trying to supplement your income and then out of nowhere, you were trying to now supplement your time. Yeah, exactly. No, 100%. Dang it. It's one of those times when you go to shoot for the moon and you figure it out, but then you realized you actually overshot. You overshot the moon, the moon and now you're slingshotting back at twice the speed. It's like, dang it. This is not what I planned for. No, it's, it's nice to finally be out of it and uh, be a lot more fiscally ahead than I was hoping. Well, that's true too. That now that you have survived, it's it's good that you are in a good position uh, fiscally, uh, and now your time should be coming back to much more normalcy. Way more normalcy. So watch out for Jen's YouTube coming up here because we're finally going to be back to it. Oh my goodness, that's gonna that's gonna be crazy. And you know what else is, is crazy is uh, Treasure Quest. Treasure Quest. Good, man. This game is an enigma. It is. Okay, so first off, I'm going to go ahead and read what this game is, because I bet there's a, quite a few people out there that if they even know the name, that's as much as they know about this game. So I'm going to keep it right to the point in reading what this game is about before we dive a little bit deeper into it. Treasure Quest is a puzzle game released by Sirius Entertainment on April 10th, 1996. In the CD-ROM scavenger hunt game Treasure Quest, the player moves from room to room in the mansion of Professor Jonathan William Faulkner, who has bequeathed $1 million to any student who can solve the puzzles he has laid out. To move from one room to the next, players must find a famous quote from visual cues, words, and anagrams, and then derive an ultimate solution to the game. Throughout the game, the player is guided by Professor's long-dead love, played by Terry Farrell, who was brought to the project by Star Trek Star Wars author Daryl F. Mallet, who worked at the company at the time. Much of the game's popularity stemmed from the developer's openness about and players' willingness to share clues and room quotes, so as long as the final solution was kept confidential. The soundtrack featured 11 songs by Jody Marie Natt, daughter of Sirius Publishing CEO Richard A. Natt, some of which contained clues. Treasure Quest, the official resource guide, Sirius Publishing 1996, was written by Steve Schwartz with guidance from Sirius Publishing and was available for purchase at the game's launch. So there was a resource guide to help you along. And then if you think about this back in 1996, right? Yes. We're talking about 26 years ago now. 
in the, the infancy of of the internet and like game facts right yes the infancy of this whole game facts this whole forum thing where people are sharing uh clues and room mm-hmm. quotes and that's where the popularity stemmed from was everyone trying to solve this game but at the same time for those that don't know one person is the only person the first person to actually beat this game to its exact specifications would win one million dollars that was that was an actual prize right that was attached to this game if i'm when i was interpreting this correctly back in 1996 we love to go to costco all right (laughs) we love to go to costco especially on the weekend right because that means there's gonna be samples now my parents probably didn't care for some of the aspect because it's busier but again they also like the free samples too well costco is very smart you know that we like to go ahead and put forth what's good about business aspects well they were smart that when you first entered the place put all of the expensive things up front all yeah. your electronics and especially your pc specific stuff especially because the pc age was really starting to bloom then yep. nowadays yes obviously the technology is even greater mm-hmm. infinitesimally than back then but at that point that's when it was coming to the common man right the personal computer the personal computer right then you know where it was normal for a kid to say hey i want this mama pie like where it actually was feasible they'd come up with all the different reasons why no first all that's not fiscally responsible no you shouldn't be doing this we're not gonna buy that but you could actually go ahead and try to goad your parents into potentially getting a pc Mm -hmm. uh, because it wasn't impossible to get one yeah so they they had this setup there at Costco, right? You had your PCs and whatnot. Oh, cool, cool, cool. But really, I went over. I wanted to look at the games. I remember getting uh, Warcraft two from there. I remember getting Starcraft from there. Uh, and then this game, because my mom's a huge puzzle fan, it was a big deal because it was another puzzle game, kind of like Mist. Yeah, kind of like Mist. However. What was the difference for this one? This one actually had this big old sticker on it that said, you could win a million dollars if you're the first person to solve this game. I mean, that's a brilliant marketing ploy, especially back then, right? Brilliant marketing. You You know what? Win actual money. Ma! Pa! We should get this game because we can win it back in spades. Okay, little (laughs) general. Sure we can. All right. Well, good luck doing that, honey. Oh, my God. All right. So this game offered a million dollars like we were just talking about. Uh, but the game was a hella hard. Yeah, they were making, they made you work for it. This game, like you need, like one of the things that is so hard to get across, like you need to have an, an understanding, like, you need to be older. You, you need to be mm-hmm. an adult to actually understand this game, to have enough perspective and scope to be able to be like, oh, okay. Instead of as a kid, I was probably, so 96, I'm 11. Right. Yeah. I'm starting to, you know, you, you do start to understand you start, things. You get a little bit, but this needed, this seems like it required actual tangible, like knowledge, right? Like I was knowledge of history and. Right. Like at 11 uh, years old, my, my knowledge base is all going to be tunnel vision yeah. because <laughs> I don't know how to think outside the box, really. Correct. Maybe yes. for something, like somewhere along the line, there was something I thought outside the box. I had a really big imagination. Great. <laughs> But this isn't about that. This is about every aspect when you're getting asked a question or you need to solve a riddle that you really need to know what the heck you were doing so you could even know 
how do I think about this question? How do I go about solving this next quest? I mean, children's minds are, are very malleable. They absorb things very quickly. What the older brain always has is that neuroplasticity, right? The experience part. And uh, that's what you needed if you wanted to solve anything in this game. Big time, big time. The, so the, now- The fact that it ahead. said that it, it needed, like the 11 songs featured on the soundtrack were also a clue. I'm like, holy crap, they went deep. This, yeah. So, like, if you are a puzzle fanatic, you, this game goes deep with it. All sorts of different cues from the music, sound cues, visual cues that will then, each one of these things builds into the next. Like, like oh, I kind of figured it out, but you didn't. Oh, I kind of mm -hmm. figured it out, but you didn't. You actually need to be putting all these different pieces together at once to then solve just that question before you're moving on to the next area. Now, what it did provide for you is there's a couple of different paths that you could take, but you're eventually going to want to solve all of them. So what was nice about that uh, choice that you would have is that you could go ahead and try to take on a couple other ones if you felt like, okay, this puzzle was too hard to solve. Uh, I'm going to go take on this other one and not like, oh, well, I did this, this path, this path was way easier. No, no, you needed to figure out all the paths eventually. But sometimes when you can complete something, it makes you feel like, okay, I get it. I understand what I'm doing. It's rewarding, right? Yeah, you get that serotonin boost in your brain. Like, yeah. All right, I'm happy. I can do this other thing now. Very redeeming. So you want to do a little bit more because, hey, I can actually solve something in this game. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right. This is, man, just reading about this concept. Did you ever read the Westing game? No. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did not. Okay. So this was like required weeding. Weeding. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was required reading at, at my elementary school. I think it was like sixth, sixth grade, I want to say, or maybe seventh. Okay. The thing was, is that this old billionaire, right, had gathered all these people and then there was a death but they had to figure out and solve the death through all these various clues that he had left out. Ah. To win, you know, a million dollars. The same same prize as well. Okay, okay, yeah. So especially back then, though, a million dollars was the penultimate yeah. number. It was. It was one of those things. Like, I think we all remember the Austin Powers joke. Yes, that's where my brain was going. Yeah, yes, when go Dr. was yeah. like, a million dollars, and then they start laughing at him. They laugh. <laughs> yeah. They laugh him off the screen yeah. almost. <laughs> That's not that much anymore. Okay. One billion dollars. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, if somebody gave me a million dollars now, I would still be like super happy. Absolutely. I would we would probably be able to ride that into retirement. Yeah, yeah, we both would. Like, yeah. hey man, here's your average. My yeah. we good, we good. Good. I totally agree. And in this uh this game that was actually inspired by a book, which is one that you brought up a book, but the book that was inspired for this game, uh, that book was called Masquerade. Interesting. And it had an associated treasure hunt as well, which then obviously they kind of changed things and curtailed them a little bit uh, because it started out with one production company called Soggy that eventually sold interest to Sirius for who knows what reasons, right? Sometimes it's just, it's the right time. It's, you know, or you're out of money, yeah. you know, th that's also a possibility. <laughs> that's so you sell it too. off so you can actually pay off your people and that way at least, hey, you, you gave it a good try. Now, uh, something that happened, and I, I thought I was crazy when I was younger because again, 
the internet itself back in 96 you're just barely if you're a kid at least yeah. you're just barely dipping your toes in there because it's you know you hear all the horror stories you hear about the different things and the viruses and the watch watch out for this and this is even back then before it became you know obvious that that was a, a potential um, pit of disaster this game had a large number of typos and errors which actually were the result of efforts to keep the ultimate answer hidden, even from the employees at the game oh, wow. company. So as the game That's near completion, no shit. That's yeah, actually right? kind of crazy. As the game neared completion, one of the company managers insisted that the game need to be played to completion to ensure the proper level of quality. The manager feared that such a complex game could be undone by just a single error. So in order to make sure the ultimate answer remained unknown, even by company employees, the game was split in half. Oh, wow. Five rooms each and tested by two separate groups. That's clever. Now, one of these groups was composed of employees based uh, at the company headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona, while the other consisted of two programmers who worked completely remote. The team at corporate headquarters found many errors, which they corrected all of those. The programming team reported that they had completed their half and found and corrected some errors. But because of the management decision to put a wall between the two groups, neither half was ever verified by the other. Because obviously then you would see the yeah. full game. Those familiar with the game have noticed that there are no game stopping errors in five of the 10 rooms, while each of the other rooms contains at least one significant error. Now, obviously, it's not clear which group of rooms was tested by which group. However, it has also been important that the majority of the errors can be discovered, and it is possible to still solve the puzzle despite these errors. Now, this has led others to speculate that the errors were intentional and meant to drive players to the game site form and to stimulate sales of the companion book. Dun, dun, dun! Conspiracy! Conspiracy! Taking your good concept and then driving people to buy your stuff anyway because of that good concept. Oh man, such so controversial. Who who knew that that would happen in a capitalist country? Yeah, right. Wow, wow, wow. Plus, I think that was really cool though that they were trying so hard. To be like, no, 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 you can't know because you don't get to go and tell like, because it is right. Like this happened with like the McDonald's stuff back in the yes, day. Yeah. They will try to get like, no, take my, my friends or my family could take this. They cash in on it. Kick me back something. We all win. Yeah. And that was a big thing because there was a lot of those different marketing ploys back in the day. Yes. Say late 90s, early 2000s. Like I, I still remember tons of them on like commercials being like, hey, play this, figure this out and you win you know, $500,000 or a hundred grand, something like that. It's so funny you say that because I can remember taking an advertising, I want to say it was advertising 101 at San Diego State. And <laughs> it was so cool to see some of these old school commercials 
because mm. some of these old school commercials they had to do it in like one take yeah. because they just didn't they, they just didn't have the film role they just didn't have the ability to do more than like one take. It's like they would even take these risks of going out to like a location and filming a commercial just boom live like that and just hope that it worked and obviously a couple of them did and whoa look at this and one of the things that was so funny to me was and i'm trying to remember this correctly and I'm, I'm probably butchering it somewhere but there was this whole thing about uh will you still have an upset stomach after you take alka-seltzer and so what happened is that was your um the pop pop fizz fizz pop, pop, fizz fizz oh what a relief it is right so that was one of their campaigns another one of their campaigns was this guy jumped off of a cliffside obviously mm-hmm. supposedly safely you know all that kind of stuff and how would his stomach feel after taking it because obviously falling from a cliff wow. makes your stomach upset. Yeah. You know, lands. And then just, it's just so funny because it's like after it lands and the people, you know, start talking to them, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling really good after that. I, I feel great. And it's so funny because like nowadays you're like, well, he probably had a bunch of adrenaline because of the fact that he just jumped off a cliff, even though, yeah, he's done it a thousand times or whatever. And he's got his parachute and all this other stuff. Like he's probably going to feel good because the adrenaline's pumping, the serotonin's yeah. pumping because right. of that, you know? Is that really good? But hey, it worked. It worked for Alka-Seltzer and it helped them get some more sales during that point in time. It did. You want to know my favorite old school campaign mm. for advertising? Subaru. What was that? Subaru. Oh, what they do? So Subaru was notorious for putting like like low key like gay advertising, right? Because oh, they were very okay. popular with like the LGBTQ community, mainly like lesbians, because they put like Xena on the license plate and stuff like that right they put little they put little subtle things like that that they knew that that's what their market was looking for so you'd see a majority of people in that group like have those cars because of their advertising how interesting okay because it's so funny to think you know how something like a subaru that you would attach it to either you know uh non-heterosexual people or let's say vice versa let's say this was intentionally being trying to sold to heterosexual people uh versus you know the lgbtq uh plus community and it's just such an interesting aspect right like it's it's a car yeah it's a car right it's a car it's a car and it's it's you're trying to sell to everybody but they just put those little subtle things in and i think it's because also like their their marketing campaign was ran by mostly women too Oh, okay. Okay. So there's just enough of connecting the dots that really spoke to exactly. at least uh, enough people to make it worthwhile, right? right? Because we, from obviously, we don't have as big of a pull as something like a company like Subaru. No. But even for ourselves with our audiences, we know that some of our audience members love what we do mm-hmm. and they don't care for certain other aspects of things that we do. Yeah. Well, but then there's other ones that do. And that not everyone is everyone, right? Yeah. So when you come and play this into in, into effect, it's like there's times where you're like, well, I'm going to bank into this because this is really making an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what the sound like Subaru did. That's, that's pretty interesting. Exactly, right? Like, well, if, if you boil it down, like men and women look for different things in different advertising, yeah. like yep. straight up. Very, very true. 
Very true. And talking about the advertising, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier in the unique marketing play that Serious Publishing was offering this million-dollar prize mm -hmm. to the first eligible player who could solve the mystery of treasure quest and submit an explanation of the solution to the complete satisfaction of a panel of judges. That's kind of crazy. That's a lot to have put forward to win that prize. <laughs> Now, they did put an expiration date on this, that the contest would end regardless on December 31st, 1999, if no winner was determined, because which obviously is, they were afraid of Y2K. Yeah, which is three years after the release of yeah, the game. Yeah, three and a half years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good amount of time. That's a good amount of time, yeah. Now, the ultimate solution, as given by the developer, Cersei Casper, which is now known as Cersei uh, Valbrace, I probably butchered that. Uh, to serious publishing was the tree of life referring to both wisdom and the love of professors lost fiance rose it references both the uh kabbalah and proverbs 318 she is a tree of life to them that laid upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her the rooms and corridors in the game were connected like those in the kabbalah's diagram that's very interesting that it goes back to that that's a it very famous you, like, diagram Oh, there you go. Okay, so that, that's why. As a kid, even right now, when I was saying it, like I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm talking there's about. There's no way. Right there's now. no way a child would know this. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah. It's like obviously, I didn't solve a way back when. Like, I didn't. I didn't even understand what like the tree of life and that sort of mysticism <laughs> came through until I was in college and took a religions class. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, way after the <laughs> yeah, way the expiration after date. the expiration date. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Well, for this to be an official controversy, we obviously need to talk about the outcome of this game, which was steeped in controversy. All right. Here we go. Now, this this might hit home a little bit for you because you, you, you know this person personally. Uh, that's it, Paul. It's good old Paul. Poor Paul. We tried. Paul Wagowski of Woodburn, Oregon. I do know Submitted. Woodburn. You see? There you go. I told you, folks. <laughs> told you. He knows this guy. Submitted the Tree of Life solution with the 10 room quotes on May 31st, 1996. So about, what is that? Three, seven weeks after the game had released. That's pretty which, good. Which doesn't surprise me, right? Like that usually it, happens like when somebody does a puzzle or something, right? People are going to figure it out way faster than they think. Yes. Now, here's what was helpful for this individual. Wigowski was a school teacher and a student of esoteric teachings. That makes sense. Therefore, which applies to a lot of how you would go about solving a lot of these quotes. Mm -hmm. So he immediately recognized that the design of the tender mansion with the 22 connections between the rooms was the same design that he had seen in the books on the Hebrew Kabbalah. With the 10 uh, Sephira and 22 paths, also 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which also, again, no wonder why I didn't understand it then, because I'm like, there's not enough letters here. There's not yeah. enough letters here. There's only 22. They made a mistake. They made a mistake. Then the child's brain isn't going to figure out, oh, there's no, more than one alphabet. Brain, oh, man. Yeah, there's no way. Unless you were Hebrew. Unless right? you were, right? Yeah, unless you grew up that, Jewish. Like, there's no way. Yeah, then you then obviously that's going to be a little more commonplace to be like, oh, yeah, I get this, you know, if at that young of age. Again, I don't know how old Paul was. Well, he, he was a school teacher, so obviously he was at least in his 20s. Yeah. So it was afterwards admitted by the producer of the game that this quester was indeed the first to submit the correct solution. However, the player was disqualified on the technicality that he did not put the required registration number 
in the upper right-hand corner of the submission, as required by the rules of the game. Shortly afterwards, Sirius Publishing released a statement that the $1 million prize had been won. They posted the solution to the game on their website. A person by the name of P. Dreisen of San Francisco, California, won the game and the cash prize in May 1998. However, it was speculated that the person P. Dreisen is actually an anagram of End Prize. Many of the people that collaborated online wondered why the person never showed up to discussions or ever participated in the chat rooms. They believed a game of such complexity couldn't just be solved alone. Well, it's funny that that said when it contradicts that whole thing because Paul didn't obviously need help, right? Right. Paul figured it out on his own. He just lost to due to a technicality. Lost to a technicality. Which, and in all fairness, like, it's, it's really hard to think that because there's a two-year separation between when he submitted and when they said the prize was won, right? That is correct. There's a two-year stipulation. They're like, you had two years, guys. This is this is a stretch for it to be like super controversial, right? Well, it, it, it's here's the thing: is like, first off, I do assume that they probably did just make up the person. Oh, I, I, I agree with that completely. Yes, and that, I do. That's what they did. Now, what I'm surprised by is obviously Paul for not winning the money. Yeah. How come Paul didn't tell one of his family members to buy the game (laughs) and do all of the stuff and put the registration code in the corner? That's what I don't get. Like, why didn't Paul do that? Paul, you had two years to teach somebody else all this. (laughs) Paul, you could go to their house, do it for them, say, hey, I'm just going to have this. Your name is going to go on it. And because it's going to be under your name, you're going to go ahead and you're going to give, you know, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars for this, even though I've done all the work for it. But because I screwed myself, I'm going to have to take some of those losses. Boom. Here's, you know, a six digit (laughs) check for yourself. Here you go. Sorry for the inconvenience. Yeah, sorry for me inconvenience you by being over at your house and doing this and typing on your computer. Ah, That's what I don't get either. I mean, what, maybe 96 people are pure? (laughs) Yeah, sure, okay. Everyone was pure, right? That's what the Bible says. Or at least that's, you know, what the Hebrew alphabet is going to tell me to believe with the tree of life and everything. In the Clinton era, sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Now, here's something interesting as well. Others question the validity of the final solution, stating that the amount of typos, missing words, and misquotes in the game made it impossible to beat. So in July 1999, the case was settled for an undisclosed amount. So, wow. So they did bring it to court. They brought to court. Now, who are they? I'd be very interested in knowing. I would, would too. Enough people that decide, hey, I bought the game, didn't solve the game, therefore I'm putting my name in? Yeah, that's my guess. Like a big class action lawsuit, which is not even trying to deep dive on this. I mean, you're gonna have to spend a long time trying to find out an answer like this because it it was it was 96. Had this happened in like had this game released in like 99 even? Yeah, that that little bit of difference, which would have pushed all these time frames a couple of years, you know, further. That I think you would have heard more about. It, it. would have been well at least more documented, right? Yes, agreed. Agreed. 
And I, I would love to know more because, like I said, I, I resonate with this game because I do remember trying to, and it was so hard. And I honestly thought, I, I remember things being misspelled, you know, and then I also thought, like, I thought the, the error was that there were supposed to be 26 letters, not realizing once again that it was the Hebrew alphabet with 22, that, you know, the, things like that, right? I was like, I don't get it. I was hoping I'd come back to it, never came back to it, but I can never forget that artwork on the box. Never. <laughs> this is burned just, into your brain. It is. It just stares at me, man. It stares oh into my, my soul too. It's a good challenge. Like I'm interested in in playing this game now. And it's funny because when you really when you read about the reception of this game from a few different uh, publishers, uh, Entertainment Weekly wrote that serious publishing is using a time honored motivator to get skeptical shoppers to cough up fifty bucks for its latest game. That's pretty Treasure good. Quest Avarice. And then in 1996, Computer Gaming World declared Treasure Quest the 25th worst computer game ever released. <laughs> the 25th worst? Holy crap. Someone wasn't really good at Hebrew, were they? No, hmm. no, they really Just, weren't. Uh, they were puzzle hmm. games. Mad hmm. cuz bad, man. Yeah, exactly. Mad cuz bad. <laughs> Now, what's interesting about this, though, so, again, this just shows you that the opinion of people is simply the opinion of people. Yes. And it's so ridiculous because also in 1996, Envision Gold Award for Best Strategy Puzzle Game title was given by a new media magazine to what? This game, Treasure Quest, like this game won an award, let alone being told that everyone was overspending on this game or yeah. it's one of the worst games ever made. God, that's funny. No, it's a bad game, but it won an award. How bad could it really be? <laughs> right? I actually want to read this uh, this excerpt from uh, one of the magazines. Let me get this uh, from Computer Gaming World itself. Sirius is offering a $1 million prize to the first person who completes this puzzle. And believe you me, if you can solve it, you deserve every penny. The problem is that with such a huge prize at stake, Sirius has to make it pretty damn hard for anyone to win. In fact, they're really not giving away much at all. Your first puzzle is figuring out just how to even play the game. The object is to search the house of the late Professor Jonathan William Faulkner following some vague instructions left in his will. As you navigate through an extravagant mansion aiming for hot spots that will trigger audio or video hints or lead you into other rooms, you'll find cryptic clues, complicated word puzzles, and cryptograms. Deciphering each of these does not in and of itself solve the puzzle. You must keep note of any other snippets you pick up along the way and piece them together to form an overall conclusion. Gameplay is slow. After a few frustrating hours, I felt no closer to the solution. However, <laughs> the clearly executed graphics, including video footage of Star Trek Deep Space Nine's Terry Farrell as your spiritual guide, create a visually compelling experience. Curiosity may tempt me back for another peek, but this challenge is really for dedicated puzzle gamers only. But yeah, so that was a... <laughs> That was a pretty good way of explaining it, you know, probably from an adult's perspective yeah. versus my, my kid-like perspective in that same year, you know? Yeah, that is good. <laughs> like, missed on crack. It, it really, it really was. 
Again, Mist was so much more, well, a little bit more Mist, any ages. Yes, well, uh, not obviously not any any age because puzzle games can be tough. Yeah, right? but at least with Mist, like you, you had all the clues, right? Like inside yeah. the game. Inside Whereas the game, this you didn't one have to keep is like you have to go all over. Like it's in the soundtrack, it's in other places, it's in books, it's in readings. Like it's it was. Well, it sounds like it was all over the freaking place. It was because when you like, because I solved some aspects of the game, but that again didn't actually solve mm-hmm. anything in the game. If that makes sense, yeah. Because you had to again, you had to get ten quotes right, which I never got any of the quotes. Yeah. Right. And then the actual answer to the game once you're you're done. So there's that that ten and that one that that eleven aspect. But to even get to your quotes to get more clues, you were still solving things along the way. Now. Part of it that was the hard thing to get across is that you had to keep track of some of your clues because those clues were meant for other other rooms that other ugh. aspects to go ahead and unlock that. No, thank so you. So if you felt like you felt like, OK, I'm figuring this out, I'm figuring this out. You, you, you'd be keeping you have like a little notebook, a little diary, whatever you want to call it, to go ahead and keep track of what the hell you were doing. Now, I was a kid back then, so I, I my notes were terrible, you know. <laughs> This room sucks. Yeah, that's that's what I came back to. It's the I'm best like, oh. note you could ever do. You know, like, all right, so I'll, I'll go in this room then. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, this this game's controversy uh, came down to the idea, like, did someone ever really win the money? Also, the, techni- the technicality of the, like, I really feel that also that even though. I feel like it's, required a, it's a bullshit number, technicality, yeah. You know, that, okay. If someone can't solve it within 365 days of us now announcing this, then you would you win. Yeah, that's what I you. agree. I agree too. That, that that that's how I feel. That should have been approached because it would have avoided all the controversy, and then it would have put the onus like, wait, someone has solved this. Yeah, something happened that they didn't do, and you don't even say what they did wrong necessarily. Right. No, they don't. You could go ahead and say, hey, now that person would know it was, you know, their thing. And they're going to be asked, obviously, probably sign maybe second like NDA or something. Like, hey, you are in a position here that you are going to win this within a year. If nobody else can do the same exact thing and make sure to put the registration number in the upper right hand corner. If they do, then they will win because you do not follow all, all of the rules. the rules yeah and i think that would have given them more legitimacy which with that legitimacy i think it would have allowed them to keep building on this aspect of uh carrot dangling yes because mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is this, this is they're baiting you to buy the game yep compared to let's say uh you go to buy a new uh zelda title right you're buying it for the experience of the game True. yeah you want to beat it right but beating it doesn't actually get you anything nothing tangible right nothing, nothing in your tangible hands. yeah no, nothing no, nothing awarded to you because you no. beat the game now depending what you know system you're playing these games on there might be some achievement that you lost some trophy or something but that's that's not the same really not it's cool but it's not the same so like when you're doing this type of thing you really want the legitimacy to, to come through because what, what otherwise it just seems like a money grab and therefore you're going to open up the can of worms that makes it conspiracy theories and controversies and all that kind of stuff so this is one of those ones that could have avoided this controversy I in agree. my opinion all right well with that being said treasure quest was a fun little uh memory lane to go on down for myself so i hope you all enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed it flip 
It was it was very good. I loved this. I love our our new topic going forward of controversy in gaming. Yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be fun. With that being said, thank you all for tuning on in, especially you dreamers. Family, love you as always. And bye.